Well, last week I spoke about our catechetical program and catechesis in general, and I'd like to kind of continue that theme a little bit uh, this Sunday and the next Sunday as well. And you'll notice again, I'm, I'm uh, a big fan, I guess, that's probably my teacher background, I'm a big fan of these handouts. So there's two handouts per pew. I'd encourage you to uh, have these in your hand as I'm going through this homily and, uh, and take them home with you and, uh, and make use of them. There's some good information on them. In our responsorial psalm today, we've got a very interesting line that really should make us puzzle. It says, through all generations, my mouth shall proclaim your faithfulness. Well, okay. How's that possible? Through all generations, my mouth will proclaim your faithfulness. I only live, my mouth can only praise God and proclaim his faithfulness in my own generation. So how do I... How does my mouth proclaim God's faithfulness through all generations? It's a little bit of a puzzle. I think the, the answer to this question here is that this psalm is speaking from the perspective, it's kind of a mystical uh, interpretation here, but the psalmist is speaking from the perspective of the church, of Holy Mother Church. The church goes throughout all generations, and she speaks God's praises with one mouth, although it's transgenerational. And so we're immediately uh, caused to think about the importance of transmitting the faith from one generation to the other so that the mouth of the church can sing God's praises. We look in our second in our uh, first reading uh, from the Old Testament and we see uh, Elisha because of this woman's fidelity and her faithfulness and her piety he promises her that this time next season you will have you'll give birth to a, a son and uh, many mothers experience a great joy of bringing uh, new life into this world and the excitement and the anticipation of that how much more beautiful of a thing is it when the spiritual life of our children is brought into existence uh, in the sacrament of baptism and that's precisely what St. Paul is speaking about in our second reading. He's talking about baptism. Baptism is the birth of the new life, that spiritual life. And it's entrusted to the parents to be cultivated and uh, to be guarded so that it would uh, grow up and grow strong and endure throughout the course of this person's life and then be the generative force that uh, births that person into eternity uh, when they die and when they go to heaven. So this is the responsibility of parents to sort of guard that spiritual life. And it's a great tragedy and a great sorrow, I think, for many parents when they see their adult children uh, who have seemed to be uh, very indifferent towards religion. They have stopped coming to Mass. They don't, maybe sometimes even they're not even baptizing their own children. And uh, it's, a, it's a source of a, a lot of grief for many, many parents. So I'd kind of like to speak about this and hopefully... Uh, enable us to be able to talk to our adult children about the faith. Now, um, every parent has a kind of a pastoral role uh, towards their children. And this is something that um, our, religious director, uh, direct, our religious education director and I tried to really emphasize to the Parents and Religious Ed program about a year ago now, uh, that the parents are the main catechists of the children. It's not the priest, it's not the DRE, it's not the church ladies or whoever it might be, the catechists. The main catechists, in God's eyes, the catechist of your children is you, 
the parent is the catechist of the child. So it's not like you just kind of come to church, drop the kid off at the religious ed program, you drive away, and then you're like, some, magically this kid is going to get the faith or something. That's not going to happen, all right? You really got to make an effort, and you have a pastoral role in relationship to your children. Just like a priest has a pastoral role, of course, in relation to the hundreds, if not thousands, of people he's responsible for, so you have a pastoral role in relation to the two or three or however many children that you have that God has given to you. And uh, can you imagine a priest trying to be a pastor of all of these people without ever talking about faith? <laughs> He's got to lead by example, of course. He's got to do good works. His works should speak louder than his words, so forth and so on. But can you imagine if he never spoke about the faith? <laughs> okay, that would be crazy, right? So also, parents who never speak about the religion with their kids, you know, this is not, this is not taking seriously your uh, pastoral role. Um, so hopefully we can, uh, you know, this handout here will help us be able to do that. Now, you know, we, we often experience, I think it's a common experience today, is the, the, the gift of faith is imparted to the child in the sacrament of baptism. And when they're younger, we can see that spark of faith. And it doesn't take too much work to, to, to kind of fan into flame those sparks. Uh, but maybe in their teenage years, uh, because of their, uh, somehow they don't quite, Navigate their way through the through different the passions that they begin to experience as teenagers, and they start to go a little wild, a little off rail morally and spiritually. And uh, there's a kind of a critical junction there between, I'd say, probably 16 and 24, and it's kind of a make it or break it time period. And if you don't navigate your way through that time period very well, oftentimes you can end off in complete indifference. You start to absorb different ideologies from your high school environment, college. And these ideologies are very inimical to Catholic faith. And uh, you end up becoming essentially an indifferent, uh, you know, an agnostic maybe, or just indifferent to religion in general. Uh, and that happens. It's a real tragedy. So how do we get these adult children of ours who, who maybe that's their course uh, of their life, how do we get them back into the faith? Well, first of all, we've got to pray. We absolutely have to dedicate ourselves to praying for our children. Um, offering sacrifices for them throughout the day, uh, maybe even fasting from, you know, if you look, you, you, there's, a, there's a certain condiment at a, at a meal that you really like, you give up that condiment. You say, I'm going to do that for the salvation of my child. Um, I'm going to give up a little bit of the news, the watching of the news or the checking of the internet or whatever it might be. You make sacrifices and you pray every day, setting aside time to intercede on behalf of your child. That's kind of a foundational um, uh, thing that a parent's got to do. Also, to be able to actually talk um, knowledgeably, at least a little bit, with a, with a little bit of knowledge about the faith, you've got to educate yourself. On the handout here, uh, you've got uh, one, two, three, four, five different um, uh, sources or resources that I would encourage you to, to look at and to take advantage of. Um, uh, scripture, the catechism, uh, and that second heading there, there's a, this is neat here, it says, you know, this is, my child asked me questions about whatever it might be, and I've got no idea how to answer him. What should I say? Well, Catholic Answers is an organization that's been around for, I don't know, probably 20 years or so right now, and at this point, they've developed a very, very good uh, set of resources and a very good website. You can go to their website, the, the um, what, uh, address is right there, catholic.com, and there's a search box at the top. So if you're looking up whatever hot-button controversial issue that people are angry about Catholicism with you, just plug it into that search box, and you're going to come up with 15 to 20 short uh, 
comprehensible articles written by competent people who know what they're talking about. And it's going to help you get an understanding of, uh, for yourself so that when the time comes to talk to your kid about that, or maybe you can point your child to those resources or whatnot. Okay? And then there's a lot of other resources down there. Okay, there's, there's objections to religion that come from abroad, not necessarily objections to Catholicism, but objections to religion in general, objections to the existence of God, or objections to the idea that we could know that God exists. And uh, there's a nice website that kind of deals with those broader sort of questions, strangenotions.com. Okay? And um, uh, in general, though, moving past those resources... Yeah, you see my next one here. Love them, take an interest in their lives, talk to them in general. If you don't have a good, loving relationship and a good uh, conversational style relationship with your child to begin with, you're not going to be able to talk to them about religion. Okay, so you can't just jump right into religion. You've got to be able to talk to them in general, take interest in their lives, exercise uh, love, regardless of their lifestyle, regardless of their choices. You don't nag them to come to church, okay? Their conversion and salvation is the main goal, not them coming to Mass. <laughs> All right, so the main goal is their conversion and their salvation. Uh, and we want them to come to Mass too, but that's really uh, a function of that broader goal of their conversion and their salvation. So just nagging them to come to Mass, it's not going to magically they're going to come to Mass and suddenly they're going to be converted. That's not how it works, okay? It's got to be, it's got to start from the heart. And there's got to be, uh, you know, this has got to be initiated out of their own court or their own free will. So you can't nag them. That's not going to work. And it's going to be in that uh, relationship of love that you're going to be able to speak words that are going to help them. When you speak with them, listening, when you are actually able to get to the point to say, like, hey, well, you know, why is it that, that I, I mean, it seems to me that you've really, you're kind of indifferent towards Catholicism. What are, what are your thoughts been about the Catholic Church in the past five, six years, the past ten years now? You know, you married, you got your kids now. What, you know, why, what are you thinking about religion at this point in your life? When you're able to kind of start to broach those topics, it's going to be important for you to listen more uh, than speak. And so here are some good questions that you can ask, open-ended questions that get them thinking. More often than not, people become indifferent to religion not because they've investigated these questions and they've come to like these mature intellectual positions on the existence of God, the credibility of Christ, so forth and so on. It's because they haven't thought about them. And so your goal in asking questions is just simply to get them to think, okay, um, and and help them to essentially confront some very important issues in life. The person of Jesus of Nazareth is someone that everybody's got to confront. You cannot go through your life thinking to yourself, oh, I don't know who he is or who he was or whatever he's about. Jesus demands a response, either negative or positive. But what you can't be towards Jesus is neutral and indifferent. Oh, he was a good guy. No, no, no. He was either who he claimed to be or he was a maniac, okay, claiming to be basically God in the flesh. <laughs> so it's the person of Christ himself really demands a response. And the goal in conversation with people who are indifferent towards Christianity is to really kind of make that clear to them. That Jesus is not someone that you can just ignore. You have got to come to some kind of answer uh, about who this guy is. Now, on the back of the sheet here, we've got some common personal objections. Next week, I'm going to go through some of the common moral objections that people have to Catholicism. Um, and to, today, though, what we're looking at here, and just uh, I can't go through them all, but these are just some common personal objections. Okay, so 
The church is too focused on rules and making people feel guilty. All right. How could anyone remain Catholic after the, the sex abuse scandal, the priest's sex abuse scandal? Okay, another, another hot-button topic. Well, I had a bad experience. Father so-and-so or sister so-and-so did X, Y, and Z. And, uh, you know, it just really turned me off, the Catholic faith. I can't see myself coming back. Okay. Um, well, you know, God can never forgive me for what I've done. You know, maybe they really, they have faith and they believe, but they feel like that their sins cannot be forgiven. They feel ashamed, and that's what's holding them away from the church. It's another common uh, response. Uh, here, how about this one? I think this one's the most com- probably the most common. Well, I just don't have time for church right now. I'm too busy. Okay, probably a lot of our adult children, it's not that they exact, have necessarily rejected God or the Catholic Church. They just, they're just kind of indifferent. They're not motivated to go. Their life is totally absorbed in other things right now. Uh, I don't have time. I'm too busy. Uh, here's another one. Mass is boring. Ugh, tedious. I don't get anything out of it. All right. So let me just deal with that one right, right at the end. Okay, we'll talk about that a little bit, and I'll, I'll bring this homily to a conclusion. G.K. Chesterton said the Mass is long and tiresome unless one loves God. Okay, So the real problem is it's a lack of conversion, a lack of love of God that makes the Mass seem boring to people. If we have love for God, we're going to be willing to stick it out for 55 minutes or an hour. Okay, It's not that much of a sacrifice. And moreover, if we have faith, we're going to understand that what's taking place in the Mass is the most remarkable thing ever that Jesus Christ himself, in his humanity as well as in his divinity, is actually present at the altar and that he is offering the perfect, the infinitely perfect worship to God the Father. And we are having the amazing privilege of being able to participate in that worship. Whereas it were piggybacking, what I say, piggybacking off of Christ's worship of God the Father. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. You can never have an encounter or a worship of God that's that perfect and that incredible. It just takes faith to be able to enter into that reality. So it's really just a lack of love and a lack of faith on the part of the person who says, oh man, I don't get anything out of it. It's what you put into it. Okay, You have to have love. You have to make sacrifice. You have to have faith. And uh, suddenly the Mass becomes the greatest thing uh, ever. So my brothers and sisters, let's pray for our adult children. Uh, and let's prepare ourselves and really get ready to, let's speak with them, okay? Uh, praying and speaking, both of those things are necessary. Uh, and I hope this handout would, would help you to, uh, to do that. Next week, I'll be speaking uh, the same topic and kind of addressing some of the moral issues uh, that many people are offended by uh, when it comes to the Catholic faith.